Hello and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we have with us a very special guest. Uh, this is Dr. Rick Amy, and he's going to speak with us about laser myths. Before we get to ha- why we're going to talk about laser myths, I'm going to ask Dr. Amy to introduce himself. Rick? Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Rick Amy, and I've been using lasers since 1998. So it's been a passion of mine, and it's uh, been one of the things that I've seen more miracles happen with lasers than just about any other modality that I've ever used. It's just fantastic. And we're going to have some fun talking about laser mists, and we're going to go through some of the things that are out there that are true. And uh, I want to tell you that lasers work and that's the most important thing and so if you have a laser good for you want you to laser on and listen to us maybe we can give you some gems to help you further enhance your laser treatments one of the things that i've known and and we are we are recent um admirers of dr amy and the more i look into him the more amazed i am at how well versed he is in the laser community and what an important role he's played. So when we're suggesting that you listen to this, know that this is, this, the buck stops here in terms of a combination of both research awareness and clinical experience. And you know, anything that happens in the lab doesn't necessarily happen in your office and in your home. And I think another thing to really, it's really important to know about Dr. Amy is not only uh, is he an amazing chiropractor, but he actually is a chiropractic neurologist as well. So he adds the neurology piece to the laser, which is majorly important. Yes, and we're going to get into that in another podcast because we have too much to talk about to fit into this one. This one, I know that people have told you what laser does, doesn't do. So today, our focus is on myth versus fact, and we're going to do some myth busting. Where do you want to start? Well, we have a lot of myths to cover, so we have a lot of good starting places. So I think that the number one thing, and like I say, I've been around it for a long time. I was the first doctor to get FDA approval for laser therapy in the United States, and I can't tell you how many people would go around saying, hey, that laser can't work, and that laser can't do that, that laser can't penetrate. So I think the number one thing, like I said, that all lasers work, some work better than others. And so one of the things that we look at is lasers don't have to be big, they don't have to be bulky, they don't have to have these long cords into it. Technology has changed over the last 25 years that we can have some of the most powerful, innovative, versatile lasers in the palm of our hand. It's like my iPhone, you know, you could say, say that technology can take you to the moon. So in the beginning, when I was first introduced to lasers back in 1998, they were big and they were expensive and the most of the ones came from Europe. And then we started to make them here in the United States, which is really cool. And they start to be getting smaller, but they had to be low powered because of the heat buildup on the diodes would fry them. So we now have cooling fans. We have other things that have really enhanced the lasers, and we can do so many different things. We can have multiple lasers. So I think the first thing I want you to understand is that in your body, we have cells and receptors that have 
different receptors for different wavelengths or shades of color of light. One of the ones that we use is red in the shade of red at 630 to 640 nanometers. And that's just a fancy way of saying that shade of red. But that shade of red works at the perfect harmony of a healthy cell. So lasers were first cold lasers, low level lasers, all sorts of different names. But really in 2014 and 2015, they really named it properly to what was called photobiomodulation. What does that mean? That means it can take something as if I just, you know, took a hammer and hit my thumb, which I'm very good at, right? And I have this <laughs> inflammatory response. I can use that laser and calm down that inflammation. Let's say I have this chronic hip injury. So I do have a chronic hip injury and that has a decreased metabolic rate or it just doesn't have as good a function. I can use that laser to bring it up, to bring more circulation to it. So I think the one thing you really want to understand that a lot of people talk about different wavelengths, but I can tell you if there's one wavelength that works the best is really between 630 and 640 nanometers. Now, infrared works as well. And most of the literature really goes back over the last 40 years, maybe 50 years on infrared and red lasers in the pain and inflammation standing. That's where we really thought it works out. And by nature, the laser is anti-inflammatory and does decrease pain. And we could go into that neurology part some other time. Well, there's a, a, a couple of like myths that um, I'm exposed to. I just had someone say to me this week, you can't laser over that. It will burn you. Burn you. Now, that's very typical because most lasers in the beginning were medical lasers and they're called hot lasers. And those cut and they cauterize and help you from bleeding to death and that. And they were wonderful. So a lot of people, when they think medical lasers, think about hot lasers. And even a little bit in what we call the class four lasers, they can cause some heat and some heat buildup. We're talking today primarily at class two and class three B lasers, and that's the one that I use. And so the class three B lasers cannot cause any harm, can't cause any cancer, which is one of the, the beautiful things we talked about. So there's over 8,000 research articles on low-level therapy. So if you punched in PubMed and you went low-level laser therapy, you're going to see over 8,000 different research articles on a plethora of different things. But the number one thing is it can do no harm. So when you're looking at this class threes, we, there's no harm there, can't cause cancer, can't do anything, but help the cells help themselves. That's why we love working with the animals, because as we say, there is no placebo effect when your dog stops limping or your horse starts licking, chewing and sighing. They're not doing it to make you feel better or to say, oh, yeah, doc, I'm fine as they limp out of your office. No, when we're and, and we did this this morning with noticing that the infrared was so calming that the horses couldn't keep their eyes open. And we had a pain response that the red light washed away, just yeah. washed away. And that's why in, in dealing with the myth, there's one of Dave and my favorite expressions is called myth conceptions. Mm -hmm. you know? And it, the difference between a misconception is when you have the wrong information. But a myth conception is based on you making up the information and then believing it. So we, we'd like to bust a few more of those. Um, so let's, let's talk about your, your next favorite um, myth to work. Uh, where okay. do you want to go? 
Well, I, I think that the one thing that we really want to understand, and I, this isn't a myth, this is just a reality, that because there's receptors on both, uh, on the sites for both red and infrared, using a combination is always the best. Two heads are better than one. In this case, two different diodes are better than one, two different wavelengths. So that's not a myth. We just want you to know that if you're using a single laser, that's great. If you're using two separate laser wavelengths, that's even phenomenal. So each have their own effect, and yet together they're synergistic. So one and one is now not two, but one and one is three, and that's where we want to go. Then we're just going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit future uh, in the future, one... Yes. Well, one of the things we probably run into the most is you need more power. It, it's, it's like the Tim Allen tool guy. <laughs> we need more power. we got to find a way to get more power. Captain, we need more <laughs> dilithium crystals. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the American way. Uh, more power is better. Uh, and uh, we all see that in different points. But the body's different than that. You know, it wants a stimulus that it can take. It doesn't want a powerful one. So sort of analogy, if someone's giving me a, a nice massage, right, that feels great to me. And then someone starts to get in there and do some, uh, you know, some rolfing on me. That's, well, I'm not really digging that. And then if someone comes and slugs me, man, that's not very fun. So more power is not better when it comes to the cell and the cellular energy. So we want an appropriate energy. And again, this is a myth. It's not about power. It's not about penetration. It's about absorption of the photons. And when the body absorbs photons, that photon releases all of its energy to the new cell, right? And every cell in our body needs two things, oxygen and glucose, and that creates ATP. So both the red and the infrared increase ATP, and who doesn't need more energy in their body? Now, the other little point to this is that this is the only modality that increases energy, increases function, increases cell cycling without causing any free radical damage. Even when we breathe and we go through this combustion to create energy, it creates carbon dioxide and other free radicals. And so that's really, really important. That's, that's so huge. And, and again, as Dave said, we hear that all the time. You need more power. This one's a cat toy. You know, you need the class four. And yet there is a difference in what you are allowed or are safe to do with one laser versus another. So can you, can you dispel that myth that, um, that the danger of using laser um, in, in the class two, class three realm? Yeah, uh, let's, let's look at that just to step back a second. So classification only, you know, is really trying to tell you, and this is based on the FDA, how much damage that laser could do to the eye. It has nothing about physiological and cellular effect and how good the laser works. So we know that the class fours, if you shine that into your light for a long period of time or any decent period of time, you can actually have eye damage. Class twos and class threes are not that way. You would have to force yourself, like forcing yourself to look in the sun to cause any damage there. So that's really the thing. You can't cause any damage. When we look at a class four and we look at the, the lasers that have more power, they're good at the area that they're treating. Unfortunately, 
the knee bone is connected to the hip bone, as they say, right? And the body is a receptor-based being, right? And so I bet you can't even you know, guess really what the two biggest inputs to the body are that you don't even feel. Gravity and pulse electromagnetic field from the things. So gravity is really what sets the baseline frequency of firing of your brain through your spinal receptors because they send the most input and they're called tonic receptors. I know that was too much for a lot of you, but I want you to understand that it takes a little bit of stimulate to cause a response. So we're going from a photon response to a biochemical response, which is how the nervous system works. And that's where my neurology background really came in because I said, hey, it makes more sense to help the nerves and the laser and that light loves those nerve tissues because they're wrapped around fat. So they really grab onto that fat. And that increases the frequency of firing of the nerve and the nerves control all functions to every system, every organ in your body. So if the nerves don't work, and my mantra has been from 1998, you can't have healing or immunology without neurology. So we always look at lasering the neurology first with the laser, and that's a super segmental or a higher center, and then going back to the area of involvement, which we want to treat. With the class fours, they are only directly at one spot, or we call that segmental, and we're using the class 3Bs, we can be super segmental, and I always think it's better to be super. Always want to be super. I've, I, yes, I have so, so much information right there that, you know, my brain is celebrating, and I'm, I'm just going to do a little summation in lay terms in that uh, Rick used the word yesterday quite often while we were talking of the cascade effect. And really, when you're using this class 3B laser, you get this cascade effect, and you are affecting the multitude with one, sort of your single candle lighting up the universe versus just bombarding a single area. You have effect. What's the effect you want? And for most of us, we want to get the maximum healthy effect that we can for the whole, and then also affect the part. And and that's why we're really we're really stressing the don't believe everything you hear. Ask the experts who've actually done this in the mm -hmm. field. I, I have a, another question. When you say the harmony of the cell, what are you referring to? Well it goes back to string theory and vibration, right? So we're really quantum physics and that. And so everything has its own vibration. And so when I say harmony, uh, it's harmony for that particular cell. And we want everything to sync up. Gilbert Ling, who's phenomenal, this, you know, bios, uh, biology of the cell, really helped us to understand what we call association induction. And I know this is a little bit too much over your head, but it only takes one spark for me to spark one cell to cause a cascade effect to affect other cells. So anytime I start a cell in the nervous system, it has 50,000 to 100 other connections to other cells. It's sort of like a family. If I infect one part of the family, I'm going to affect the rest of the part of the family. And that's the cool part. So we proved, or I didn't prove, but a doctor down in Columbia proved that lasering from the skin, right, causes an effect, a biological effect, where you can see cellular changes over two inches into the body. 
So whenever someone talks about penetration, it's not about penetration. It's about absorption. And we just can't Write that enough. down. Yes. Say it again. Make it your <laughs> mantra because this is why it works. And I will say it doesn't matter if you believe that it works because it works. And um, so that's, that's such an important point that we're going to repeat it and repeat it. Yeah. I, it's, it's like nutrition. It doesn't matter what you put in. It only matter what gets absorbed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if you want iron, do not eat a car. It's not the best way to get it into your system. I have a few more gems like that, yeah. just, you know, in case. Another myth we, we've heard pretty much since I've been in practice is that nerves don't regenerate. Mm-hmm. And I think you might have some evidence to uh, dispel that myth. Well, there's, you've been told a partial truth. Um, peripheral nerves do regenerate. Central nerves do not. So a peripheral nerve is something that be like the carpal tunnel of the median nerve, right? Or the cervical there. When you get into the brain and spinal cord, they do not. They do not repair themselves. So anyone has a spinal cord damage, you usually are not going to get them better. Now, we know that we can do some things to help reroute that. But peripheral nerves do regenerate. They do it just very slowly. So way back, uh, 20-some years, J.J. Andrews, who's probably one of the foremost researchers in laser therapy, proved that not only when you crush a nerve does it regenerate faster, but that nerve, peripheral nerves, goes into the central nervous system, all right? So I'm lasering externally, and there's a nerve there. It goes into the spinal cord, and then it goes up into the cerebellum brainstem. We won't go too much into it. But why is that so important? When we're dealing with pain, and people come to you when they're in pain, right? They've had trauma, but they're in pain. So when you understand how the body is wired, the pain inhibitory centers are in that dorsal horn of the spinal cord, right? So that nerve steering in the spinal cord, and that starts to inhibit pain. Then it goes up into the brainstem, and that's where the two largest pain inhibitory centers are. So we need to understand how it's wired, and a lot of people don't understand why it's wired. So let's go back to the thumb analogy, right? So I'm out here, I take a hammer, and I smash my thumb. I'm looking at my thumb, right? Do I have pain immediately? No. 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 Why is that? Because your brain didn't recognize it yet. Yet, because that nerve is firing slow. It's a C fiber. It's on my line. It goes very slow. So it allows me to express all those four-level words that I learned in those 12 years of extra college and upper education, right? It gives me some time to do that. And then naturally, what do I do? Um, To the thumb. Yeah. Well, most people even grab it, suck it, grab it, suck it, shake it. Come on, mom, give me a kiss here. I need I need my health there. That's because you want to fire the large diameter fibers, which is the muscle spindles and the touch ones, because those inhibit pain. Right. So again, it's under rub Rub it it better, better. rub it fast, man. And you leave me. I'm shaking that thumb like crazy because I want to inhibit it. But where am I hitting at? I'm inhibiting it at the cord level and at the brainstem. Only 20% of the pain fibers actually reach the brain. I didn't know if you knew that. I did not know that. And I did know that. As most people out there know us for the fascial people and the taping people, that's why we do it Mm -hmm. in order to work on that inhibitory area. And the laser does it even faster and 
they work together, which is that's right. Cool. So if you change those muscle spindles and change that feedback, guess what? It's going to inhibit pain, and that's what the body wants. Plus, you're going to move out lymphatics and toxins and a whole bunch of things that cause the other part of pain. We have mechanical pain and chemical pain, and we'll cover that on another. That, that definitely. That's that's another um, a whole another discussion. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> And you, you just sort of delved into that, but there are many people who believe that laser is only good for pain. Yeah, and I, that's why you brought up the nerves, I think, is really, really important. So, you know, pain and inflammation, that's the, that's the rock bottom, the foundation. You know, for treating neuromuscular pain syndromes, there's just really not anything that I've ever found for resetting the nerves. That's the number one thing. You know, you pretty much can use anything, electrical stem, Russian stem, uh, diathermy, you know, shockwave, PMF, and that, and they do wonderful things. But really, the laser's the best thing in the whole world for resetting the nerves. And when I say reset, when you have trauma, you get inflammation. You get inflammation around the nerve, and so we need to decrease that inflammation to increase that frequency of firing. So it's sort of like a, a cell phone. I need that nerve to be on five bars to get the best communication. I live in an area with really poor cell phone, and I'm all going, what'd you say? What's the thing like that? And that's what's happening to the brain. If your brain can't send the signals back for the inflammatory and the respiratory response, we're really in trouble. So the first thing we want to do, and the laser does, is help that nerve, right, to not necessarily regenerate, but to start to fire at a higher level. And that's where we go. Then we look at other things. We look at cartilage. We look at bone. Non-union fractures, hugely used for that. Wound healing, burns. I mean, there's not anything that the laser doesn't work on. So it's not a complete magic wand, but I need you to understand that the laser helps every cell in the body, right? Whether it's bone, whether it's cartilage, whether it's muscle, whatever it's organ, whatever it might be, to heal 25 to 35% faster. Now, that's huge. That's that, that's that's, that's the bottom gross. line, right? So whatever you have, it's going to help it. And the laser also is beautiful because it goes to the areas where it's most needed. So we don't have to be too targeted. We want to be as targeted as possible. But we know that this cascade effect, this living matrix, is going to help potentiate and absorb more photons in other areas. That's why even like people in a cast... You may not be able to get to the fracture site, but you can you go above the fracture site at the beginning of the cast Absolutely. and still have effect. And where would you want to go? You want to go to the nerve, right? So a lot of people you know, come to me for carpal tunnel. I just had one the other day, bilateral, both sides. So it uh, really means, unfortunately, the surgeon made some money, but it really wasn't the place there's going to be. And I'm not trying to be rude here, but... Only 20%, research shows that only 20% of the time, unless you fell on your wrist, this carpal tunnel, actually originate in the wrist. It starts higher up. And so there is an actually study that was done back in like 2002 that was incredible, and I've been doing this, uh, that didn't even laser the carpal tunnel on people with carpal tunnel, but lasered the nerve root, and guess what? They got better. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've had that experience that in my practice yeah. since, and for the last 40 years. Absolutely, I know that's true. Uh, I want to move on to one of the other myths that we, um, we get uh, just informed about by practitioners in that it, if you have a class four, you only have to treat for X minutes, but if you have anything mm-hmm. less than that, you have to treat longer. I think you addressed it a little bit, but um, I'd like to drive that nail home. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing. So if you don't have more power, you need to do more time. But that that isn't true. So uh, back in 2000 and 2001, I did 200 patient clinical trials on neck and shoulder pain. And I can tell you that the total time of treatment was four minutes. And that was with a class two because that's what we had at the time. So four minutes, we could show that the pain was decreased, increases in range of motion or the muscles relaxed and muscle strength in four minutes. So most of our treatment times are six minutes or less, usually in the four minute category. So uh, when they say that you have to go longer periods of time, that's not true. When we did the clinical trials in 2001, 2004 for the FDA using some things for wound healing that, we know that we can get deep penetration in, again, four minutes. After six, it really starts to go away. You're not really getting much more benefit after six minutes. So knowing that truth is really something that's really profound. When people are doing it for 15 or 20 minutes, that means they just don't have you know, the right laser. And you need some power, but you don't need too much power. Again, you want to have that nice stimulus that the body can accept. You don't necessarily need a sledgehammer. And that really sums up what we want to talk about today in terms of myth busting. Please keep an eye open for us bringing Dr. Amy back for discussing more aspects to the laser therapy. You'll be able to reach him. We'll be posting his contact information so that you can put your questions together. You can always text us or email us to ask us. We'll make sure your questions get answered. This has definitely been one of the most informative podcasts we've ever done, so I totally thank you mm. for being here. And again, this is Dr. Wendy Corrin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this has been an Equine Podcast.